Because of the coronavirus epidemic and to respect social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was recorded remotely over Zoom. Good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow, hosting tonight, joined by producer John Roberts. Hello. And uh, conservative luminary Sue Timberlake. <laughs> luminary? <laughs> well then. Not tonight. Not tonight. Not tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, uh, uh, apply the yes, adjectives. You, no. <laughs> you know how like you're supposed to dress for the for the job you want. Well, apply the adjectives for the you know that you want. <laughs> See, same thing. Curious about Biden's speech. How's that? That's my yeah. Me too. We are because of coronavirus. We're pre-recording, so we are doing this before the president will be speaking following signing a signature of the coronavirus relief bill which is a great thing. Uh, I'm very glad to see that. Thank God. And yeah, uh, I'm glad it got done before the end of March. I'm rolling my eyes that it it took this long and was this complicated, but that's what happens when uh, Congress is so closely divided and absolutely none of the Republicans want to vote for, you know, helping people in a pandemic. So, well, I mean, and I wish that was just me being, you know, petty. (laughs) <laughs> to be fair, the it is a complex bill because it's like a complex issue. Uh, like there's a lot of moving parts that are going on in this bill. It's like 600 Absolutely. pages. Absolutely. Uh, it's going to a lot of different industries, a lot of different places. So um, I I mean the, the fact that people are just getting $300 a week for unemployment – I don't really. I'm not. I'm not really okay with that. But you know, that's. I thought it was three hundred dollars extra. Well, yeah, the federal, like the federal um, government kicking in three hundred dollars. It used to like last year was six hundred dollars. Uh, right, but uh, uh, but I all right. I mean, I I thought it was not just three hundred dollars total. It was whatever you're getting plus three hundred. Yes, it, exactly. Okay. Now right. I'm saying in the bill, be it's only three hundred dollars. You're right. Six hundred uh, would be better. It'd be yeah. twice as good, easily, maybe more. But um, math, no math, no me good. Am and <laughs> <laughs> I did literature and history. Okay, kids. So, um, and if you uh, would like to, uh, you know, help me with my figuring uh, and let me keep my shoes on while we get oh into God. bigger numbers, uh, you can get in touch with us in a couple of different ways. Uh, email is civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org, uh, at civilpoliticsfm on Twitter, and facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio is our community there. We do also have our own website, which is quite simply civilpoliticsradio.com. And, uh, and uh, I think we're mi- going to be migrating soon to a new web hosting site. So there – yeah. Yeah, there'll be some technical improvements, but if you go there and things seem a little wonky, it's because we are making some changes and uh, what will be improvements when we're done. But just, you know, that that won't really happen for maybe a week or two. So uh, no worries. And when we when we convert over, it'll it'll be pretty seamless. Um, 
but yeah, we're going to get a new website. It's it's going to be wholly owned by by Civil Politics. It's going to be great. I'm very excited. And it'll also help promote the entire Planetside Podcast Network, which it's true. John was the secret ruler of, and which Civil Politics is part of. Secret. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make some kind of joke about how like, ah, it's not like anybody's listening to this show. So yeah, it's a secret. But I mean, we do have listeners. So I we guess have a it's ton of listeners, actually. Yeah. And we love yeah. each and every one of you. Yes. Um, though, though we will keep our distance so because smart. of the plague. So don't worry about that. <laughs> they're so smart, our listeners. They always figure stuff out. It's, it's yeah. like, oh, we did that. Oh, yes, I guess we did. Thank you for letting us know that that's not quite accurate or we went far, but not far enough on something. It's good. Yeah. It's really good. So what are we starting on here, kids? Well, uh, What's going on? Uh, actually, reneged on uh, spam. Yeah, Jeez. let's. Yeah, let we, I, the the coronavirus <laughs> and the the relief bill are very important. But you know, part of what civil politics. Sorry, I moved away from the microphone. Part of what civil politics is about is you know how we talk about politics and the way we connect with each other, and the the recent uh, discussions about. Uh, "Quote unquote cancel culture" seem to have just gotten really, really prominent in right wing discourse um, of late, and thus have sort of spilled over to the rest of the world. And in particular, I, I just find it really uh, significant that uh, there has been a lot of uproar that Dr. Seuss's publishing house has decided to not publish five titles out of his. Uh, like over 60 books i think he's he did five or six yeah yeah so i think it's five books and so you know it's it's a small percentage of his books and not any of the the big name super popular ones uh uh with maybe the exception of the one about the zoo um and that's 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 fine you know it's a private company making a decision but um it's it sparked enormous amounts of outrage and a lot of straw manning from uh, the Fox News types. So, yeah, I don't know. But Sue, uh, does does any of this, you know, obviously you're you're a Republican and you're hanging out or talking to more right wingers than I am, you know, in my ideologically pure liberal bubble. Oh, um, <laughs> oh yes, no. and we uh, we uh, are so <laughs> pro racism in the Republican Party that yes, that is what I, I was trying to that. say. Um, I, okay. before, we, <laughs> before we continue, it's uh, sure, yeah. the, the books are and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street, which oh, I remember one, I really like that yeah, book. Yeah. If yeah. I ran the zoo, Michele, um McElligot's pool on Beyond Zebra, scram scrambled eggs super, and the cat's quizzer. That's six, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. Two of which we people know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if I ran a zoo was like, if I ran a zoo was OK. Um, yeah. And to think I saw it on Mulberry Street, like they had good rhymes. I remember that one. Yeah. Um, but uh, some of the rhymes were racist. Very, very racist. Uh, so it's certainly um, stereotypes. Oh, God. Book. Yeah. Uh, and, it, yeah. you know, depicting monkeys as black people it, it's it's really great dr seuss was not the best person um well, <laughs> we just, we, we just want to i just want to remind people of that like if yeah. you look up his uh world war ii era um art he did a lot of propaganda he was um, he was he was very into yellow peril 
Um, he was. <laughs> my, my understanding, and I don't know for sure if this is true, so maybe we could fact check this, but my understanding is that, you know, after the war, you know, as the years went by, he's like, oh, God, that was wrong of me. And uh, I, I, I like I think there's a reason why he let that stuff go out of print and didn't reprint it when he was alive and stuff. And I I, I, I thought like I, I even heard that some of his books were supposed to be specifically repudiations of that. But I don't know. I haven't researched this. Closely. I heard some things yeah. like that, too, that he that he um, he he missed some some racism, but other racism he was on top of and very yeah. uh, vocal about. So, you know, it may have been. True or not true? I, you know, I don't. I haven't really watched enough um, sort of historical stuff on him to know. Because right now everybody's sort of saying a lot of things, and it's like, oh yeah, but what was what was really true? I don't really know. So, well, he certainly reflected so, the enormous anti-Japanese racism that swept America following the attack on Pearl Harbor, and uh, you know, I'm not uh, not to excuse him, but he was he was not an outlier. So I was just looking up, there is a uh, revision of Mulberry Street in the 1970s, and uh, when he was alive, Seuss died in 1991, and when he was alive, he was asked about the racist tropes in his books, and um, he he said something about the revision of Mulberry Street. I'm, I'm reading from a Slate article. Um, he said a, he'd said something about the revision of Mulberry Street to the effect of I've removed the yellow co- color and cut off the pigtail. Now he looks like an Irishman. Just to, just trying to make a joke, but also trivializing the importance of the revision. He also uh, was really resistant to criticisms of his work as sexist and wouldn't change it on those grounds. Uh <laughs> He famously said of Alison Laurie, who wrote a, a critique of Gender and Sue's works, um, something along these lines, tell her most of my characters are animals, and if she can identify the sex, I'll remember her in my will. I don't know what wow. that even means. Um, <laughs> but well, he, was, I, he was... I guess, how do you tell a boy snitch from a girl snitch, I guess, but yeah. Yeah, I, and th- there's a lot going on there. Um... But yeah, he there was he was he wasn't the best guy. Um <laughs> Well, and that would have been the seventies in the heat of the feminist movement. So mm. I can see how people go right after his characters. I mean rightly yeah. so. Yeah. Well Well, you know, if somebody has pigtails, I don't know. <laughs> well, well I, I haven't read the the books that she that um Alison Laurie was referring to. So uh, it depends. I remember some some depictions of Zeus, um, like looking back on it, it wasn't the the best, you know. Sure. Um, but whatever. Well, they were caricatures. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there there's there, one can find you know meaning and virtue in in art that can be otherwise problematic. I mean, that's that's just a you know. I mean. You know, I love Star Trek. I grew up on it. But I mean, you look back at the original Star Trek series and there are moments where it's like, wow, that was really progressive of them. And others where it's like, ooh, ooh, that just, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Star Trek DS9 has that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. From the 90s. But I, yeah. I, I know. But I mean, I don't want to go off on a whole thing about Star Trek because this okay. is civil politics. But yeah. Um, uh, yes. 
art can be problematic and we can still love it. That's that's I guess the simple truth. So um, everybody look up the concept of death of the author. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay Ellis did a good video about that. In fact, she, she did. I was actually just thinking about that. I'll post a link to that in the, in the show notes. Yeah, why not? She's she's a she's a good critic on YouTube. So, um, yeah. So what do I, you I, do with art that that you don't? I mean, genre. Your point earlier before we were on the air, and I heard a scholar say the same thing. You don't really want kids having these books, but you also don't want to disappear them. So that yeah. they don't exist, so that we can't see what things look like. Like some of the art from the World War Two, I mean, it's frightening art about the feelings about the Japanese, and you know, it it's it's frightening, but it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be available to scholars, right, and to people who want to research it. Exactly, I, I would guess. Yeah, well, I would I, guess. I, I agree, and as far as talking about you know racism in world war ii um you know i i wish that the uh artwork was as far as it went i mean uh there are documented instances of you know soldiers ser- you know and serving in u.s soldiers serving in uh uh you know the pacific islands actually uh uh taking trophies i mean from the bodies of people they'd killed so yeah. and and it, it, at least a few instances actually sending you know uh uh skulls home to their fiancés or whatever as keepsakes and it's like mm-hmm. that makes so, sense well even and even it's john horrible, McCain, even if it makes sense <laughs> even john mccain as much as he tried to be a good man um he got very upset at one point during his first presidential campaign and they asked him something about um the Vietnamese and, you know, they had tortured him. He, yeah. he was tortured by them. And he said something really horrible. I forget the exact words, but it, it was a slang for, you know, what we called the Viet Cong at that time. Uh-huh. And, um, and he apologized for it later, but it was weird. It sort of popped out, you know, like they were, they were animals to him because they were animals to him, but that, that kind of um, rage, and he, you know, he worked really hard to reconcile and went to Vietnam and, you know, met his captors, re-met his captors and um, made peace with it. But, yeah, that sort of um, really horrible slang and the words that you use and how you dehumanize, you know, dehumanize your enemy um, when you're at war. I think that's a, to some degree a function of how you go to war is you have to dehumanize the other person. It yeah. absolutely is. It's 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 really hard to hurt other people, but it's much easier to hurt them if you don't see them as other people. That's yeah. why in sci-fi and different um, different works, uh, the enemies are always like faceless stormtroopers or robots or zombies. Exactly. Like you you don't want to like a. Like one of the big things with, with the new movies was humanizing stormtroopers. Well, they tried to anyway. But like the, uh, it's you have to like if you're going to go to war and kill people, you can't think of them as people, or else you know if you have like a modicum of compassion, then you won't be able to kill them. Then they'll get you first. 
Exactly. So, I mean, that and that's or why. Or worse, you'll or, stop fighting altogether. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and that's why when uh, you think about World War Two, even World War One, obviously, uh, you think about propaganda. Um, that was a way to help that along. Uh, because, you know, if everybody is is thinking that the Japanese aren't actually people, then it's easier to drop a bomb on them. Yeah. So when dark. our news media so, yeah. and our, and our, when our no, news media and all our channels are basically saying, you know, the other party is, you know, they eat their children. Um, you know, it really is. It, it creates the war between the political parties when each side is demonizing the other the way we do. I, it is one of the things that I, I I come back to on this show, and it is one of the things I really worry about. Is um, uh, so from what I from from what I've been observing over the course of my life is there's a lot of that polarizing discourse that sort of uh, has been really embraced by uh, the right wing. You know, people like Newt Gingrich saying like, "Hey, you know how to win elections? You just constantly demonize and attack your opponents. You know, just always go after them." always go negative, always criticize, you know, never acknowledge that they might have a point or, you know, seek common ground. That That's for suckers. And unfortunately, that seems to have really just become uh, everything in, in right-wing discourse. And, you know, uh, we're humans too, uh, the, you know, us left-wingers. And so the more polarizing right-wing discourse is, and we respond to it, we wind up becoming polarized ourselves. I mean, it's just, it's inevitable. And I, I hate it, you know, like, I don't yeah. like, I, you know, I, I want to criticize, you know, your ideas like, you know, I, like, I think unions are good. And you're like, eh, unions, unions aren't really a good solution to the problems that they're there to solve. And I'm like, I, I would like to discuss that as opposed to um, spend time, waste time, like, you know, uh, having to fend off Tucker Carlson saying liberals want to cancel, you know, the the Dr. Seuss book about snitches. It's like, no, we don't. And the publishers don't want to stop publishing that. I mean, that's one of his better books. Uh, it's a good yeah, message. It's a and, straw man. Right. It's a so straw man. You set it up and, yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's just well, like I'm, but such I'm just a waste stressed of about Doc, Mr. Potato Head, I must say. Oh, my God. I <laughs> Why are you stressed about Mr. Potato Head? I don't know. I just thought it was a great toy. So. You know well, they're they, still making Mr. Potato Head, right? Yeah, they, they didn't I know. change that, did they? I know. They're, no, they're just changing what the features you can get, I guess. Or so. no, I don't know what it is. No, they're not. They're, <laughs> they're, they're just changing the packaging, I thought. Is they're not right? even doing – okay, okay. What they're doing <laughs> – just talk about missing the boat. I'm what, sorry. <laughs> what you're doing, what they're doing is they have Mr. Potato Head it, as a set. They have Miss mm -hmm. Potato Head or Mrs. Potato Head. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're still married uh, at as a set. Um, she kept his name. And they have a box set of Potato Head with a ton of, of ton of pieces in it. That's it. It's an addition. Okay. So they're they're selling a box set that uh, because they're like, well, if you want to make a potato head family, it comes with two potato bodies and a little baby potato body. So you can make a potato family. You can put uh, more masculine or more feminine um, features on your potato head 
and just do that because you know like if a kid with two dads wants to make potato family then then they can make two dads instead of having to buy two mr potato heads they have it's a box set so it's honestly pretty smart in terms of press and marketing and in in terms of just packaging yeah if this takes off if if they see that this sells more than these separate mr mr mrs potato head then they'll just reduce the amount of those that they send to stores and increase them this other one which is basically a box with two blank potato heads and just a ton of stuff thrown in it's pretty <laughs> it's like but no there there's nobody's getting rid of anything and nobody and, and that was the that was the I was going to say yeah that was the beauty of of potato head cuz you could put the mustache on Mrs. Potato Head I mean that was you know they they were all interchangeable parts you could you could make anybody the way you wanted to so yeah. but it is true i you had to buy one you had to buy both so that you'd have all the components so so uh this is getting away from this boys aisles girls aisle thing that was created in the late 70s early 80s basically like uh well not this like in the 70s i think like the it, 50s is in the 50s really i thought it was later than that i thought there there was just like the segregation of toys into a boys market and a girls market yeah and ne'er the twain shall meet i like i think that was that that was definitely closer to the 80s um so we might have seen that because like in the in the 40s especially the 30s 40s 50s you had just toys here have a toy you know no, no, they no? were very gendered. Yeah, very were gendered. The, were I mean, in the with the rise of this of the department store, uh, like they were, they could have been gendered, but there wasn't a specific boys' aisle and girls' aisle. Yeah, I think that's oh, what I was what that what saying. was new. Yeah. The commercial segregation. Yeah, there was like, like culturally like, they were they were divergent. No, they but, always had the girls the girls stuff. It might be on the same aisle. That's what one I'm side was boys, one was girls. Yeah, that's what was, like they there wasn't was, a a complete divergence, and there wasn't a uh, a specific um, like specific marketing uh, that that was like targeted to boys and targeted to girls as much as there was like it really there was really a boom with that in the late seventies, early eighties. Uh, I'm not so saying it didn't happen. I'm saying that it was a, it was very prevalent and very strong, and it actually affected a lot of industries. Like like the logic of we're going to make He-Man toys and have a cartoon to help sell them, and we want to make toys that girls will buy, so we have to make a new cartoon. We can't just sort of like have, you know, one cartoon with characters that boys and girls like. Like no, there's He-Man boy toys, and then there's She-Ra girl toys. There you yeah. go. Exactly. So, so let me explain what might have happened because I have a very different perception. In the in the 30s, things were very segregated, and when we went to war, um, the gender roles were modified such that women it was acceptable for them to go into the factories. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like when we had Obama. You know, it was accepted for a while, and then there was a huge flashback pushback. So in the 40s, you know, all the guys came home, they pushed the women back out of the factories who had just learned that they could rivet and do all that stuff. And in the 50s, 
there was sort of the dawn of um, the feminine mystique. And it was almost oppressive because they were trying to, to some degree, to push women back into the roles that they'd had. And mm-hmm. so the 60s was sort of, it It really broke loose. But I, I can see how you might feel like it was anew in the 70s and 80s. But in fact, it was sort of a swing of a pendulum and then a resistance against it. In fact, the roles became much more structured and much more um, enforced when when the war was over. So it's sort of, it's the, I can see how it would feel like it was, you know, the first time it was really happening, but it was really, I think the pendulum swing in both directions. And it was a, it was an overreaction to women sort of trying to grab, you know, their gender identity. Well, and also it's interesting um, because I, you know, I'm twice or three times as old as you guys. So you're not three times older than I am, but yeah, but also, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, uh, it was an attempt uh, after world war two to prioritize white working men. So yes. it was whiteness yep. and maleness and was being them. yeah. And, so yep. push the women and, out, push and, people of color out. You know, so yeah, and sh- and show that only the men could do those jobs. Yeah, yeah, it was. So I'm. I guess I'm sort of saying that there was a. It was sort of like a wave, more than for the first time, in the 70s and 80s that happened. It, yeah. was it started like, in the 40s. Yeah. I think what I think what changed. Uh, when genre and I were kids, you know, in the seventies for me and eighties for genre is that, uh, the way things were being presented in the commercial marketplace, uh, was changing and becoming more structured. And there was, you know, uh, you know, the marketplace, what people, what is put out for people to buy and, and what's of what's available and where people are encouraged to spend their money, uh, is an important part of what shapes a culture. And that's, that's, you know, part of what the whole uh, concern about, well, are we going to have a kind of packaging? Am I going to put doc- Mr. Potato in or, you know, are we still going to be offering these Dr. Seuss books, you know, printing new editions to put them out on the market? Um, yeah. And one of the. And one all of the, the branding poten- that started. Right. You well, know, one the of brand the was more important than the item. One of the potential things that was supposed to be exciting and cool about the Internet was that it would make all kinds of commerce uh, uh, available in new ways, and it would change the marketplace so that you know you wouldn't just have a few options, like them or leave them, and uh, you know if it meant that like only boys are being sold certain kinds of things and only women are being sold certain kinds of things, and you know if you liked though if you if you were a guy who liked girl stuff, well you're just a weirdo and you need to stay in the closet, you know. Like, yeah, you don't want to be seen in the store looking at that stuff. Right. So like it's it's changed the dynamics or at least it it can and and sometimes has um and I think part of this whole argument about cancel culture and uh outrage over Mr. Potato Head and Dr. Seuss books is I I think sort of the the backlash of that is is people sort of coming to terms with uh the 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 scope of choice that we're offering people, even in a purely commercial capitalist uh, format, and you know, um, it's it's rough. But I mean, part of what America stands for is the idea that you get to make choices about who you are and what interests you and how you present yourself, and uh, 
you know, there's there's a a, a great plethora of of human possibilities out there, and uh, makes everybody nervous. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't make me as nervous as it makes Tucker Carlson, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, that's part of the American thing is that we are like that. It you know, some of us get nervous, some of us don't. You know, it's it's the it's. It's that turbulence that's actually what makes the country great, I think, in some ways, is that we, you know, we are so different and we seem to accommodate it on a good day anyway. You're and, free to um, do whatever yeah, you like, but for God's sake, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, hey, John, have we reached the uh, end of the first half already? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, then <laughs> then we're going to take a break here, play some PSAs, promos, and station IDs, and we'll be back with more civil politics here on Valley Free Radio in just a moment. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized and orderly, and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. The Forbes Library staff would like to remind you of the incredible resource that you have in your local public library. We have tens of thousands of books for you to check out, music CDs, movies, newspapers from around the region, the state, and the country. We have a wide variety of magazines and free computer and internet access every day. We also have our incredible reference services there to help you answer particularly vexing problems. All of this is free, locally available at 20 West Street in Northampton. So come by and check us out in person or at www.forbeslibrary.org or call 587-1011 for more information. to Evidence-Based Radio, Science and Skepticism from a Feminist and Socialist Perspective. Every week, we explore the interesting and important stories in science with a focus on the positive. Friday nights from 6 to 7 on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, or at evidencebasedarada.com. That's 6 to 7 p.m. Fridays on Valley Free Radio. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm still Michael Dow. I'm still talking with Sue Timberlake and John Roberts. 
And I think, I don't know about you guys, but I, I think, you know, fascinating as children's toys are, uh, I think uh, maybe we should spend at least a few minutes talking about uh, the really big news that came out today, uh, which is the passage and, sign- and signing of the new COVID Relief Act. Uh, $1.9 trillion of uh, direct payments to American uh, American taxpayers, American voters, American citizens. Um, a lot of relief for uh, businesses, uh, help for local governments, uh, more money to help with uh, 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 creating and distributing vaccines. Uh, I think $4 billion to help with uh, vaccine distribution around the world. Uh, just a lot of good stuff. It's, it's a huge package. Um, and one which, uh, uh, I think changes the way, uh, the subsidies and accessibility, uh, requirements or provisos, uh, that were in the Affordable Care Act. So people who were having trouble, uh, with things because they made too much money are now, uh, not going to have that problem. They can access the marketplace and at more affordable rates. So that's a, that's a fix for at least a couple of years. So that's you know, a good thing. Yeah, there just, was a provision in there. I didn't think that was in there. There was a provision in there that was really surprising about uh, Mr. Potato Head. Um, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, I I love toys and 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 cartoons, so I can talk about that all day. But yeah, we can talk about this, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, is it is it yeah. true that Mr. Potato that um, Potato Head doesn't provide? You have to. They give you a potato body. You don't have to use a potato anymore. <laughs> That's true. So there was a I'm poll. So heartbroken. <laughs> there was a poll. Um, well, for it, the it's end- a little too much like cannibalism. You know, it's like, well, Mr. Potato Head, it was great, but now we need some fries. Oh, no. ah. Anyway, so <laughs> a little sour cream with that. Yeah. Oh my god! I just <laughs> there was a poll. <laughs> so there was a poll. NPR, PBS, NewsHour, Morris, Mayor's poll. Sixty-two um, percent of Americans approve of Biden's handling of the pandemic. Um, I'm surprised oh, it's we're that changing low. subjects. Yeah, uh, but no, I mean, like he, we're talking about the, the his his bill and everything. I just wanted to say, like, yeah, um, with the with the corona coronavirus uh, relief bill and the way that he's been um he's been going through it like people are are actually pretty good with it 30 percent of republicans uh approve 22 percent of trump supporters approve so that's interesting yeah he's he's doing a he's doing a apparently a good job with with how he's handling the covid and the and everything um and like his approval is like his overall overall approval is lower, but uh, you know, like a lot of people are 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 good with what he's doing and this bill that we were just talking about. Um, but that those poll that poll just got released today, so I just want to mention that. Do you yeah, think, the approval of the actual Biden... new measure is I think north of seventy percent of uh, people polled, so mm-hmm. that's that's broadly popular. Oh, sorry, so go ahead. So I was going to say, how do you guys feel about the fact that Biden didn't sign the checks that are going out, that he's letting the treasurer sign the checks like they normally would for the U.S. government? 
I I think Biden's old, so I mean, like, expect it would really create a slowdown if you had to sign everyone by hand. You know, what I mean, just just well, no, they have the just machine. crank it out. They, they, they have the machine that you can you can program in the signature. That's yeah, but easy. I mean, like, I that meant... does like what a few hundred an hour. It'd take a, forever to get them out there. I think I think the real answer is I don't care. Like, uh, he, it, Trump well, see, I, was signing. I didn't the like it and, when. Like, yeah. Well, Secretary of State Gavin, you know, kind of put his stuff in the middle of the voter guides, you know, kind of promotes himself with it. And I don't really care for that in a politician. So I was actually pleased that Biden didn't decide that he needed to put his signature on the face of every check. Yeah. Because with Trump, that actually delayed the checks, them having to change up what they're going to put on the checks. To be serious, to be serious for a moment, um, I think it is uh, legitimately and specifically presidential of him. And I mean that in the sense that- Of Biden, um, not Trump. Of Biden, not of Trump. Trump, it was very much not presidential because a president- egoistic. Well, yes. uh, Well, and and beyond ego, I mean, like nobody puts themselves up and gets elected president without having some ego. I mean, (laughs) it's just, you have to have some real self-confidence to to go through all the the crap of an election cycle. But- um, what I mean is, all right, so, you know, in the old days, we had monarchs, we had kings and dukes and whatnot. And th- one of the prerogatives of uh, being a ruler like that was minting your own coinage. And if you were minting your own coinage, what are you going to put on it? Well, why not your own your face, face or your own profile? <laughs> and so, you know, you can date, uh, you know, eras from the Roman Empire, you can say, oh, this coin was minted, uh, you know, uh, during the reign of Augustus, because that's Augustus there, not, you know, Tiberius or Caligula or whatever. And wanting to have his name on the sign, you know, appearing on the check as, a, you know, as a signature line to sort of claim it was by our, our ex-president uh, a, a, a very anti-presidential uh, move. It's it's the kind of monarchical approach, you know, because a president is, uh, you know, a steward. A president is a leader for a specific and limited time. Uh, you know, we elect them. They don't serve more than two terms. You know, so even the best presidents, you know, aren't going to be there more than 10 years at the absolute most if someone else dies and they have to take over partway through a term and so forth. And and that's that's as it should be. And that's that's healthier and better because, you know, uh, we had a recent demonstration of the 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 pitfalls of a cult of personality on January 6th. Yeah. Yeah. So small point, but kudos <laughs> yeah. to President Biden yeah. for for staying in his lane, frankly. I I just like the it, the the that fact. It, it, I, I agree with all that. It's just. Um, the, the, just the, the act of like signing checks, like I just, it, it, it's, it's just not something I, I just gave any mental energy to, you know, um, just well, what about, sure. What about you want to be a big baby, go for it. You know, like just give <laughs> people the money, you know, you want to be, you want to be like a big tough guy. Ooh, I'm big, 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 powerful man. I can sign the checks. They're from me. Okay, fine, fine. 
whatever. We all know every literally everybody knows that that is not true. You're just being vain and and just a jerk. So I'm censoring myself. So oh, there you uh, go. <laughs> I am hella censoring myself. So um, but yeah, you want to be a big baby and sign the checks. Just give people the money. It 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 held it up by like three days, and I hate it, but people got the money and that's the most important thing you know so so just another sort of symbolic thing question for you guys oh grenades so, let's um, go <laughs> we've got we time this is, this is good just get grenade. them out early yeah it's early good job i'm glad you wrote things down let's <laughs> let's let's do this Run my hands together and everything let's go <laughs> So, so uh, we're we're on we're recording this while Biden spoke a little bit earlier, and one of the things that he's um, said tonight, um, and when this airs, will be you know he said it last night when this show airs, but is uh, the symbolism of getting back to not normal but closer to normal by July fourth, which is a really important day for this country. What do you mm. think of him targeting so specifically? And sort of symbolically um, telling people when, you know, when to hope for, you know, if we all wear our masks and do what we need to do between now and then, that we might actually be back to, you know, barbecues and small groups, you know, safely meeting by July 4th. What do you think of Biden using that as sort of a, you know, the symbolism of that? Yeah. Compared to the symbolism of insisting you sign the checks. So I I, I I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you don't I really like the don't. July 4th? You don't like no, it? No, I don't. Uh, I don't like setting a, a, a target for a pandemic with a, a virus that is mutating, like, without without our knowledge. Like, that's – it's. I think it's reckless, honestly. Like, you, you can say, like, well, that's we hope. interesting. You can say we hope. We, hope. we, we have it um, under control by July 4th. That is, that is our goal. But um, if he says – I don't – Obviously, I haven't heard the speech because we've been recording, but um, if he said anything more solid than that and like more than a soft target, then uh, yeah. I think that's reckless. I don't like it uh, at all. How, how about if he said, you know, I need, you know, every American to do their part. And if they do, we have a shot at, you know, being back to normal by July 4th. Uh, Is that that's better? better, but... Build. I don't like. I mean, it's it's because it's fault. It's yeah, fault it, it'll fault. give people it'll give people a timeline. It, it's like um, uh, when this is this is just an example. I know when you're talking about video games, video games take uh, they're like movies. They take a couple of years to develop and and put out to market. And uh, sometimes there's a video game that uh, says we are going to be out by this time, and then they then people plan for it they pre-order it and everything and then they're like no we have to push it back we have to push it back we have to push it back and people plan for a certain time and then they have to replan and then they get annoyed or they just say like well you said it was going to be this a lot like there are a couple video game companies that just say uh like uh it used to be like blizzard they used to say it'll be done when it's done and yeah. It'll be the and we're saying that because we want to make it the best game possible. So when you're like, it's like last year when Trump was saying, "Oh, wouldn't it be great if it's if it's by Easter? It's a very special time, you know." Like that's yeah, you know. Yep. And people were Good like, well, "Why isn't it done?" So if 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 he's saying, "Uh, oh, it might be 
uh, it, like we're going to try for for July 4th. We get to July 4th. If something happens, not enough people get vaccinated. There is like there's a mutation. Nobody's that, wearing masks. Yeah, nobody was Texas. wearing masks. And then after July 4th, people are like, oh, he said it would be July 4th. So we're OK. No, we're not OK. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know anything. It's a virus. It doesn't care. Yeah. You know, so I think that saying like he hopes that we can do it, but he needs to really control expectations because everybody hates this and everybody yeah. wants to leave their houses and everybody who is actually responsible and cares about their fellow person. They want to stop this, but they can't because they don't want people to die. So if someone says, here's where you can do this, people are going to start booking flights. They're going to start planning get-togethers. They're going to start doing this and doing that. Oh, we should be good by July 4th. Something happens. There's a, an explosion at the at the vaccine factory, whatever. You know, we, we can't we get everybody vac vaccinated. There's a mutation that's coming out of uh, like France or something and uh, like everybody's speaking in a weird accent and we can't handle it. You know, there's something there's anything could happen, you know? <laughs> so um, just if, if at J like July 4th comes around and everybody's craving baguettes and it's, it's going to be really weird and we're not going to be able to stop. <laughs> so uh, having an actual target, like giving people a definite date, I think is reckless shouldn't do that we need to work we need to try to do it and then you can say within a few months by the end of the year something like that something general a general yeah. like by the which third he has been doing like until that. this until this speech he, exactly. he got really specific i've been really happy about for that. some reason <laughs> yeah. actually i'm yeah. gonna push back a little bit genre it's mm -hmm. certainly bold it is risky it could backfire i don't know that it's reckless because, I mean, reckless literally means like to do it without reckoning, like heedlessly, foolishly, like, blah, I'll just rush in. And that certainly described his predecessor. However, it may well be, I, I think it probably is the case that uh, President Biden has, you know, taken a lot of advice and consultation with experts in many fields. And They've been thinking about this carefully, and he may be setting July 4th as a target to aim for with a reasonable expectation that, in fact, they will be able to hit it. And also that, uh, you know, something resembling normality is, you know, a flexible term. And so the idea that uh, things will be better by July 4th and that we can celebrate that, I, I don't know, it... I, I, I don't. I, I don't it may disagree. be that it's. I, it may be that it's unwise, and it may turn out to be a terrible mistake, and we may be very upset with him for doing it. I don't know that it's reckless. It may be more. He's he's making a aspirational. A big, yeah, it may be aspirational, and he may be just making you know taking a shot. I don't. I don't I, the thing is, I don't want to apply a a. Um, a positive word to it because I don't like it. It's I I want to I want to say a pejorative. That's the one I can, can I could come mm -hmm. up. I with. get it uh, because we have a ton of idiots here, like a lot yes. of people. A lot of people just do not care, and they do not care. They just want to do whatever they want, and 
Um, those are the people, the lowest common denominator. That's who I'm worried about. This is also why, like a few months ago, when we were talking about the vaccinations, like the vaccines that are coming out, I was like, mm. we need to have a one-shot vaccine. We need to. Because yeah. some people are going to get that first shot, and then they'll be like, I'm fine. And they'll, they'll never come back to the hospital, and it won't be effective. Yeah. Like, there are a ton of jerks in this country, and they're going to be listening to the president, and they're just going to be saying, he said July 4th. That means July 4th is the date, and if it's after July 4th, then I'm just not going to do anything. That's the problem that I'm I get having. It. You're, and, you're, it, it's less that he might not be reckless and heedless per se, but it's if he's not very careful, he will encourage a lot of recklessness by far too many Americans, including governors of various large states. Exactly. Exactly. Right. I, and I, I, I take I, your point. I say it's yeah. I say it's reckless because it's clear that he wants to have something for people to look forward to and something mm -hmm. for people to hold on to and something for people to work towards, which I really understand. But if you give in a aid and this is this is me talking as someone that has managed people before mm -hmm. and has uh, worked with people like in customer service a lot before. If you give people a certain like a, a certain date, if you give people a something that they can say, this is X and it's not a range, it's just a data point then they are going to look at that and they are going to plan around that. And if it doesn't happen, then they're going to get all, 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 all mad. Uh, and this is something that he as president needs to really consider. And if, if I was in that position, then I would say, we, if we work really hard, if we do this, if we do this, if we do this, if we finish all of this, then we have a chance to have to be be close enough to normal to have barbecues in July. That's what I would say. One and if people I... inferred July fourth, then that's not my problem because I would say July or July or this summer or something like that. Just give a range so people hmm. can't just then then people won't be running out and booking flights. You know, that's well, the I... that's the thing I'm worried about. I can't remember where I heard it now because I I watch I'm watching way too much TV and looking at way too much on the internet these I don't days. I understand so. that those sentences those make no sense to me. <laughs> Fair enough, um, <laughs> but just um, too much TV. Uh, makes President no sense. President Biden was as uh, apparently saying that uh, uh, he and and uh, Kamala Harris are going to be making a a push to to spread the word about what the new coronavirus package that. By the way, Congress gets a lot of credit for it because Congress actually passed it. Joe Biden just signed it into law, but anyway. Mm -hmm. Well, he, um, they 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 work together on it. it sure, was, uh, yeah, but it's not just his accomplishment. Mm -hmm. it is, you know, like we our, our presidents are important, but they're not they're not kings. They're not god kings, um, yeah. Um, he apparently uh, 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 was drawing a contrast to the. Uh, economic bailout package from 2009 that the Obama administration cranked out to help sort of uh, stymie the, the the cratering economy uh, from the end of uh, George W. Bush's presidency. Oh, and yeah, yeah, mm, and how uh, yeah. the uh, what the Obama administration did uh, really uh, averted economic catastrophe for the country and did a lot of good. And they didn't spend enough time making it clear to people 
that, hey, we just did good stuff for you. You should remember that when you think about who are we and what have we done? We have spent a lot of, we, we have done good work. We are doing a good job running the country. We have saved you from misery and, you know, make sure that not only do people know what's been done, but also, yeah, you know, make sure that they get the credit for it. And uh, uh, Joe the Biden Democrats doesn't are seem- horrible at doing that. Right. Well, and Obama, you know, no drama. Obama was like, let's not waste time doing a victory lap. And in a different circumstance, that would have been an entirely sensible or that that would have been a politically electorally sound approach as well as, you know, I think a healthy attitude and a, a good thing you want in a chief executive, not to spend too much time going on about how what they've done or how great it is or whatever. But um, there is a large, powerful, concerted uh, propaganda network out there to attack everything Joe Biden does. So pushing back against it, sadly, does have to be part of the job. So I agree uh, that hopefully will I hope that will fit in with what you're saying and that. Uh, saying, hey, you know, if we do this right, maybe July 4th, fingers crossed, do your part, you know, don't hold me to it because, you know, there's a many a slip between cup and lip. Um, yeah, and, he needs to say stuff like that. Like, right. It, it, yeah. But he, it, he probably to, needs to say exactly that or some other malarkey. So, well, you know. <laughs> if he says like, if he if he's kind of with a waffle on it, then he won't look like a strong leader. That's yeah. why I say he needs to get a range. And yeah. then he'll be very direct and he'll he'll say this is the truth. I'm not gonna unvarnish I'm not gonna varnish this. I'm not gonna try to pretty it up. We have we we could make July or August if we all work. And then people might start doing plans for September, October. And hmm. that's when really we should be getting to a really good place, like the end of the year. But if he says that we're going to be able to do stuff in in the summer, hooray, then um, we're going to have problems. We're going to have problems. So that's that is what I'm really worried about, you know. But like I said, I don't know what he said. He could have said something about bunnies and we didn't really – uh hear about it like the news was like no that's we're not going to do that that's weird and they didn't do anything we that could have that could have been i don't know why i'm having such weird thoughts today like big ads what the <laughs> hell is that about Very spring tight. is been not in, good for you i hate spring and summer so much <laughs> uh, it's frying my brain anyway um i think that he's doing a good job i think that he is if he's if he's saying that this is a target and he's making a kind of a soft target, I think that is the best way to go because people need something to grab onto. They just it it just can't be too specific. Well, Sue, um, you've actually worked in epidemiology and biomedical research, so uh, what do you think about uh, a possible timetable for July Fourth and the other measures I, for all that? What do you you know? I think he's being uh, cautiously optimistic. And I, I look at John F. Kennedy's speech about how we're going to put a man on the moon by the end of the decade and then died. And they did put a man on the moon. You know, they sort of followed yeah. his aspiration. 
I, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for that, but I, I hadn't thought of Johnner's point, and I think it's well taken that, you know, if we have a problem with the vaccine or if we have this or we have that or people don't wear masks, which we know they're not in Texas. And mm-hmm. I forget, is it Mississippi, the other state that was such an outlier? Um, you know, we know that's going to continue to be a problem. And will people get vaccinated? You know, when it starts to disappear um, because everybody's doing a good job. You know, will people just stop chasing the vaccine? Because you know that's what's happening problem, in Texas right now. Problem solved. Yeah, problem solved. Yeah. So it's kind of a, um, you know, it's kind of a, um, it, it's an interesting thing. How, how, how much do you inspire people? And you know, how do you, how do you reasonably lead people? Well, I mean, I mean if that's, you... that's a wonderful question. If you think about the John F. Kennedy's speech, then he said uh, this was in like what, like 1960, 1961, 61, 61. He said by the end of the decade, what is all this decade is out before the decade is out. That means (laughs) 10, like nine years to Hmm. do something extraordinary. But it was it's nine years. Extraordinary. And the end of the decade could mean 67. It could mean 68, 69. It, it, there wasn't a like, we will have this done by October thir- 13th, 1967. You know, like that's not, <laughs> I'm bad yeah. at accents. That's not um, <laughs> feasible. You can't do that. But if he, he said the end of the decade, so people are like, by 1970, we can do this. Yep. So if and yep. this is far off in the future, and that gives a lot of time for uh, people to make mistakes, for horrible things to happen, for them to be fixed, which they did. Uh, and because if he said like, "We'll we'll do this by 1965," that definitely wouldn't have happened. So uh, if he if if Biden said a certain date in like October then or november then i would be much more willing to say like that's a good thing interesting you well, gotta we manage the avoid, avoid, that's all i'm saying we certainly want to avoid the kind of screw up that boris johnson did last winter where he said well we should be able to have everybody go home for christmas and up Jesus. until a week up until a week before christmas and it's like oh nope, things are getting too bad cancel the christmas plans everybody <laughs> it's like 72 hours ago, you said, no, Christmas should be fine. Why Why are you changing your tune at the last minute like this? And, you know, the answer was because it's Boris Johnson and he, you know, didn't know his, his butt from his elbow. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, Winston Churchill told people how bad it was going to be. I mean, they, he was he was pretty good at that. See, yeah, that was one, of his, one of his virtues. Yeah. Yeah. People respect leaders that tell them the truth. Oh, wait, I yeah. hear the music. And said... <laughs> You reasonable do. expectations, yeah. depending on whose reasonableness it is. But yes, reasonable. Well, uh, I think the reasonable expectation is that we need to wrap it up. So that Sacre uh, bleu. Yeah, indeed. Baguette. Baguette. I need to take a nap. I propose Jesus. a destination <laughs> attempt to land a Mr. Potato Head on the moon before this decade is out. <laughs> And then return him safely to the earth where we can have him baked or fried. We, anyway, we are um, so off the rails right now. <laughs> but that's going to do it for Civil Politics tonight here on Valley Free Radio. We've got Subculture coming up next Jesus. at 8, followed by Table of Contents at 10, and then OK Asia at midnight. 
Uh, we'll have a podcast of this out in the wee hours of Monday morning. And uh, Monday afternoon at 4, we'll have a rebroadcast. So listen to us all over again. Uh, thanks very much for listening to Sub- uh, Civil Politics tonight here, Thank uh, folks, on Valley Free Radio. That's all for now. Good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.